In the nearly four years since we'd been gone, movies had become more anti-communist than ever. The question is, have Americans got the guts? Have you got the guts? And a private industry of pressure groups had developed to keep them that way by distributing blacklists of anyone proved or thought to be a red. Another edition of Spotlight. Band leader Artie Shaw has affiliated himself plenty with known commies. Radio station WOLF is still using his records. How come? Jose Ferrer. Maybe we shouldn't see his new motion picture. And how come the big Life magazine spread? Judy Holiday. Ditto regarding her new picture. Jack Guilford struck out. The Weavers. Benito. Gordon Kahn. Fled to Mexico and done for good, we hope. So the movies were out. There was still a chance he could make a living as a writer, if he were careful. February 8, 1955. Worked on short story, Las Mañanitas. March 31, started notes on One on the Chin. Short article on beards. May 7, tried to get to revision of my play Tin Wedding. House full of people couldn't work. Through the winter and spring, he wrote nonstop, piling up as many articles, plays, and short stories as he could, toiling, as he called it, at the loneliest pursuit in the world. The last character he created was his most important, and the one on whom the success of the venture would depend, a fictitious writer, without politics or a past, who would claim to be the author of all this work. May 1, 1955. Decided on Hugh G. Foster. A name out of the blue, he told me years later, chosen so as not to resemble his real name in the least. May 2, 1955. Dear Lou. He wrote a friend in New Hampshire, asking him to let him use his business as Hugh G. Foster's mailing address. I, or circumstances, or a combination of both, have jockeyed the Kahn family somewhere north of the eight ball. A rugged location, indeed. It's hard to tell at this point whether the horizon looks bright or not. In fact, I haven't looked away from my typewriter long enough to make an observation. Here is the situation. One of my uncles, then visiting us in Mexico, would take the manuscripts to an agent in New York. Someday he may find out who U.G. Foster actually is, but until then, the name of Khan is poison in the editorial offices of magazines, who go by the same blacklist that is in operation at radio stations. It is a shabby kettle of barracuda, Lou, and I apologize for it. Meanwhile, or mientras, as we say here, I send you my immense thanks in advance and the affectionate regards of all of us to you and the family. As you can see, viejo, it is operating pretty much against gravity. Como siempre. My father now faced another climb as steep as the recovery of his career, the recovery of his cash. Señor Zamudio, a businessman who'd been his protector, had borrowed all his savings and was refusing to pay him back.
father had begun legal action against Mr. Zamudio, and Zamudio, using the political connections he'd always boasted of, had retaliated by having my father's files and papers that permitted him to live in Mexico misplaced in the federal office of Gobernación. Without those documents, my father could be kicked out of Mexico and into the hands of the House and American Activities Committee and the FBI. When my father fled the United States in 1950 for Mexico, the penalty for refusing to tell the committee if you belong to the Communist Party had been up to a year in federal prison for contempt of Congress. In the present climate, it could be worse. Luckily, my father's friend in Mexico City, Ignacio, a doctor with connections as impressive as Amudio's, had made my father's residency and immigration papers reappear. But then, Zamudio threw another curve. Bueno, my father...